Hey everyone, I am so sorry that I can't be with you tonight, but I am really excited to get to talk to you about this um, topic. And so to wrap up our semester, our last formation of this um yeah, this year already, um, before Thanksgiving, we are going to talk about the charismatic spirituality that is a gift that is offered to all of us as Christians. Um, and in particular, it is a way of life um, that we get to live um, as a part of SPO um, and a part of this people. And so we are going to dive into what that means um, to live a life in the Holy Spirit, but then also um, Band of Flame is coming up um, when we get back from Christmas break in January. And so we wanted to just take some time to talk about this work of the Holy Spirit, to talk about um, yeah, his role in our life. And I'm really excited because when we come back, we'll have a couple weeks after um, Christmas break to talk more about the Holy Spirit and charismatic spirituality. And then Hopefully, we as the formation community and leaders at High Dominican um, can be better equipped um, ourselves and spiritually prepared ourselves so that we can also walk with those that are going to be coming with us on our retreat. And so we'll dive into what is charismatic spirituality and hopefully have a better understanding tonight um, of God's spirit. And so what is charismatic spirituality? I wanted to break it down a little bit. Um, so charismatic spirituality is this rediscovery of the work of the Holy Spirit um, and understanding this work in a new way. And it's how we approach our daily life and how to work, um, sorry, how to live um, our lives as Christians if we wish to benefit from this work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so... Like I said, the work of the Holy Spirit in this way is for all Christians, and charismatic spirituality is for every Christian. And so it's not just about um, this charismatic experience um, or this like feeling that some of us might associate um, at different times of our life, like um, about um, like the emotions or like this heightened, um, you know, like where they raise their hands or like this kind of um, yeah way that we can understand. Um, charismatic, but, um, and it's not this just this special group of people that are called like the charismatics. And so it really is just the Holy Spirit allowing us to do things that we weren't able to do before, because now filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled with himself. And so, um, charismatic spirituality, like I said, is a gift that we have received as a people in SPO. And SPO is a movement. It's not a club. It's not, um, you know, sorority or fraternity. It has similar, um, similar elements to these different things, but it's a movement. It's something that God himself brought about. And, um, we are all here because of God and SPO, um, it's here because God led people to this life, and it was founded on two scriptures um, in particular that we might recognize. Um, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And John 15, 5 says, unless, um, sorry, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So he worked in power back then, back in 1985 when SPO first got started, and he continues to be our engine today. So at the heart of SPO is this gift of a new way of, of relating to God and to his people. 
So who here has experienced this new way of relating to God? And who here would categorize that experience um, as liberating or as freeing? So like I said, this is an approach to Christian life um, of someone who has experienced this renewal in the work of the Holy Spirit and has responded in a way that has made it a source of more effective Christian living. And God has been accomplishing this through the grace of baptism um, of the Holy Spirit. So let's dive in. Um, what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let's get into it. Um, so the entire New Testament is alive with the fact that the early Christians were able to experience the presence of the Spirit in them and his work among them. And so when we say experience, I don't mean like, yeah, like these experiences, like I was saying earlier, these like emotional kind of like heightened experiences. And it's not just this emotional thing. Um, it could be that, but it could be a meeting. So think about like you all in this room. I've met you. We've like met. We've interacted. I've had this experiential relationship. We've experienced each other. Um, and some of your parents, um, some of them I've met and some of them I have not yet met. And so, um, think about that of like, I might know about them, you might talk about them, you might have similar mannerisms to them. Um, so I could feel like I know them, but I haven't actually met them. We don't have an experiential relationship with them. And so, yeah, there's a difference um, about, you know, like if we could say that to know God and, and the difference in not knowing God and not knowing the Spirit. And so this is like the most important sense um, in which we experience the Holy Spirit. So at Pentecost, um, the Holy Spirit descended upon all of the apostles and um, the Holy Spirit fell on them or um, and rested on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit then entered into, entered into side of them and that like cut to their hearts and it changed them. Like they became new um, after that moment. And so at the Last Supper, Jesus said, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And we see the Holy Spirit showing up in power time and time again in Acts. And so, I don't know how many of us um, did our challenge um, for the last month um, when we were apart for some time of uh, reading through the book of Acts and getting to spend time seeing the work of the Holy Spirit um, alive in the, the apostles and the disciples. Um, and so just some examples of them having these experiences with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, when the Christians in Jerusalem, um, they prayed for courage to speak the gospel, um, and the house where they were assembled rocked, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the word of God boldly. And Stephen, in Acts 7, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was able to gaze into heaven and see Jesus. Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. In Acts 11, the Holy Spirit spoke like to Agabus when he foretold a great famine. In Acts 13, at the church of Antioch, the Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas. In Acts 20, before Paul is taken prisoner by the Romans, the Spirit warned him repeatedly. And so the Spirit was leading them. The Spirit was um, warning and, and they were able to, to prophesy and um, the Spirit actually um, guided them to like help make decisions of who to bring up um, when you set aside Paul and Barnabas. 
But the most important thing that the Spirit did for the early Christians was to let them experience God's love for them and his union with them. Romans 8 says, Romans 8 says, The spirit you received is not the spirit of slaves, bringing fear into your lives again. It is the spirit of sons, and it makes us cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself and our spirit bear united witness that we are the children of God. That's awesome. So Paul clearly expects the Christians, to whom he's talking to, um, have had an experience of God's love given them, um, through the Spirit. And same with John. He says, we can know that we are living in him and he is living in us um, because he lets us share in his Spirit. So this life um, in the Spirit is for all Christians. So many Christians um, know, and I think a lot of us, like we grew up knowing about God, knowing about him and um, knowing the Holy Spirit, but we don't feel in contact with him. Um, and we have a hard time seeing him working. And so similar to the Jews on Mount Sinai, they related to God as someone outside themselves, um, someone who's helping them, but not as someone um, they could experience directly and who's at work inside of themselves. So when they were baptized in the Spirit, that changed. So life in the Spirit changes us. Um, it changes this reality of going from knowing about him to experiencing him. And so what's different about our lives when we are living a life in the Spirit? And remember that this is central to who we are as a people in SPL. So the preacher to the Pope, um, Father Cantalamesa, says, It is a state in which a person feels possessed by and led by God. A state that, rather than driving us away from participation in the community, leads us precisely to commitment, requires it of us, and often even makes it easier and more joyful. So life in the Spirit changes us, and people begin to know by experience that the Holy Spirit is with them. So what does this look like? What does it actually look like in our daily lives to be um, filled with the Holy Spirit, to be more effective um, in our life as Christians? So it looks like being able to praise God and worship Him with a new freedom. It means scriptures coming alive. You know, you, or you're not just reading it, but it's like coming alive. Um, and I'll um, share a little bit more about how that happened in my life, too. Christian doctrines make sense. You experience a new ability um, to talk to people about Christ. Um, it's been really awesome to hear all of you in um, our time on Fridays to be able to talk about your heart for mission, to talk about your heart for campus and how you want people to come to know Christ and how it's becoming easier to talk to people about Christ, you know, because we're filled with the Spirit. You know, the Lord, just like the apostles, He wants us to be able to, to have that boldness. And we can experience a deeper peace and joy. We understand, um, have a new understanding of community life, and we're drawn to being part of a people and being formed in the body of Christ. And we experience the Holy Spirit leading our community in worship, being guided by the Spirit and being taught by the Spirit. So I just want to share some of my examples um, from my own life of my experiences with receiving a newer outpouring and a renewal in the Holy Spirit. So my freshman year, I went on a retreat similar to what you will all get to experience in January. Um, fanning to flame, where I think I really had this experiential relationship with God for the first time with the Spirit, and I heard the gospel. Um, I was able to to go to confession to repent and ask Jesus to be Lord of my life, for Him to take that role as as number one in my life and in in all areas of my life, and to ask for this new outpouring um, for more of His Holy Spirit, and. 
what followed wasn't about the emotions. Um, it was really simple. It was just, I really experienced for the first time, um, the depth of the father's love for me. And it's something I like tried to go back and like read more into and see what else was there. But more and more that I look back and pray into that, um, I think it was really just me being able to experience like the depth of the father's love for me. And I remember walking out that night thinking like my life is different. Like I can't, you know, I wasn't living um, like a crazy life beforehand, but something was different about my life. And I knew that and I knew that um, my life would be different from that day forward. And a couple years ago, again, I prayed for another um, renewal of the Holy Spirit, another baptism um, of the Holy Spirit outpouring. And I experienced, this time I experienced a renewed desire um, to read scripture. And it came alive to me in a new way. And I wasn't just reading about Jesus anymore, but I was experiencing him um, through the word in a new way. And this has been just... Um, yeah, like a new desire to like want to read scripture more, but it just made sense to me and I could experience um, how it was applicable to my life today in a new way. And I know in our last few times of worship, um, we've been able to talk more about asking um, God to speak to us on behalf of our people here. And a lot of you have really stepped up and it's really cool to get to hear you bring up different senses that the Lord's brought um, and different words for our people and to see him stringing those together and, and speaking a story to us. And I think this has been a great way that I've seen the Lord be able to use this and, to, and to, for the Spirit to be in me of to be able to receive a word from scripture, I have to know scripture. And so I'm really grateful of the ways that scriptures come alive. And, um, when I'm praying for, for us and praying for our people, um, to be able to have that greater, that greater sense of, of knowing Jesus and to know um, him and to hear his word, um, and his voice through scripture. So this is a lot, but, um, I just want to say that, even though a lot of this might not make sense, um, we know that God has promised this to us. Like I read that scripture earlier from the Last Supper, um, Jesus is going to be sending his advocate, sending the Holy Spirit to us. And remember too, when we were baptized, um, we received the Holy Spirit. So this is not like a first receiving of the Holy Spirit, but this is about something new. This is a renewal allowing us to live out our Christian faith more effectively. And it's a renewal of this grace at Pentecost and a grace that's supposed to remain in us. So we can believe that God has given this to us. And we can believe that God, what he says about himself, and he's revealed to us over many generations how he's been working and that he's a faithful God so we can trust him. And so now we need to be able to, um, as a people, he works in us individually, but he also works in us as a body and as a people. And so as we're faithful, um, and when we're faithful, we can cooperate with this grace. And so we can stand hum humbly before him and accept this great gift that he wants to give us, this gift of his Holy Spirit. So, where does the Holy Spirit lead us? The Holy Spirit leads us to the cross. Um, he invites us to, to die to ourselves and to make more room to be filled with nothing but himself. Um, so, Father Cantala Mesa again says, We are faced with a specific request from God, um, a self-gift that is among the clearest in the New Testament. It is an obligatory path. If we do not begin to walk on it, we will not move towards God, but rather toward ourselves and our own whims. In fact, we will move towards spiritual defeat. So he's calling us to be filled with his life, to be filled with him, and to take that 
to this world that is confused, starving for Jesus, this world that we see around us every day on our college campus, that we see every day out in the world. Um, he's asking us for a gift of our whole selves. And so why total self-gift? Why is he asking this of us? I think the scriptures are clear. Um, in First Peter, he says, Jesus Christ attained the glory of the resurrection and a life according to the Spirit by his cross. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. We're called to be more like Jesus, and not just in theory, but actually. And how do we do that? We do that by denying our flesh and living according to the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, Those who belong to Christ have, Jesus Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And Romans 8 says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And this death is not a scary death, but a rebirth, a new beginning. And it's when we're no longer living for ourselves, because if we're already so full of ourselves, there's no place for God to enter. You know, and like I said, when the Spirit descended upon the apostles, um, he entered them and he became a part of them. And in Paul's word, um, Paul's words, it signifies no longer living only for ourselves, but living in conformity with the resurrected Christ. It means opening ourselves um, with humility, with obedience, charity, and brotherly service. And as a community, we're called to lay down our lives for one another in conformity to him so that we can be in a position to receive more of his life and lead others to it. So this grace uh, makes it possible for us to make a more potent gift of self. And this gift is only allowed because of the giver. And it happens all the time, continually, not just one time. And so we have to empty ourselves each day, continually, continually. And so we have an invitation. We have an invitation um, to hear, um, to know God, to repent, to confess our faith in God and ask him to fill us once again. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're inviting him to be in control. And this looks like taking our eyes off of ourselves and worshiping the one who is faithful, the one who loves us. Because worship changes us. It doesn't change God. So we worship even when they're not emotions. You know, we might come to a time of worship um, and in our daily lives, you know, like it might not feel like a day to say, God, you are God, I trust you. To say, God, I give you my whole life to lead me wherever you want me to go. Or we experience um, the spirit prompting us um, to do something, you know, and or to speak to a person, to share truth. Um, and we might be hesitant, um, but he's asking us to give this gift of our whole selves, to follow where he's leading us, um, to let him lead us. Um, He's asking us uh, to move, to let him move in us. And he's asking that we would um, kill our selfish desires and put God back in the center. So Romans 8 again says, For God has not done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, sending his own sin in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And here's the part that I want to focus on, um, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So let him work, let him move, and he can work with that. So we have the privilege of getting to be on his team. And in the old covenant, it was as if we were asking to be on his team, but in the new covenant, we're just on his team. And so we get to bring the kingdom of God here to earth. Um, and it means being plugged into God so that he can lead us, that he can direct us. So I just um, want to end with um, 
Yeah, we can have this new covenant, not written in code, but in the spirit, for the written code kills, but the spirit gives life. It's from 2 Corinthians. So this is the result of the given spirit, um, with love of God and neighbor written on our hearts. Um, this is the ongoing life in the spirit and um, how we can live out a life in the spirit with God every day. Um, all right, guys, thanks so much. And um, know that I'm praying for you tonight in our time of worship and um, have safe travels back home. Talk to you soon. Bye.